Well, uh, good morning. Uh, is this? Yeah, I think it's on. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Dan. I've been uh, part of this church for six years, and it's my privilege to be sharing uh, God's word with you today. Um, I'm still thinking about my car, where I parked it. <laughs> if you want to help me try to find my car afterwards, that'd be great. Um, so as Mike mentioned, uh, we are starting a new teaching series this morning. Uh, it's called uh, Deep Breath, Waiting for Pentecost. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar with Pentecost, um, it's the day where the church remembers and celebrates the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the first followers of Jesus. So Pentecost, it takes place 50 days from Easter Sunday. So for the next five weeks, uh, we're gonna be really digging into the scriptures uh, to see uh, what it says about the Holy Spirit so that we can be prepared as a church uh, to really uh, welcome and celebrate the Holy Spirit um, on Pentecost. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I know that there can be you know, different kinds of reactions that people might have. Uh, some of you uh, might feel just a bit indifferent. Um, you may have heard a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you recognize that name said in church, but uh, you're not really sure about who he is or, or what he does or what part he plays in our faith. Others of you might be feeling a bit nervous right now and actually your guard uh, might be up. Unfortunately, there have been a lot of churches and a lot of Christians uh, throughout history that have misunderstood the Holy Spirit and a lot of controversy and harm has been done in the Spirit's name. Uh, but others of you, and I hope uh, many of you, uh, you're actually feeling excited and hopeful that we are gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit uh, because you long for more of the Spirit in your life and for others and for our church. Now personally, I have felt and experienced all of these different kinds of emotions and reactions at different stages of my life. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, just starting to grow in my faith, uh, I was a bit indifferent to the Holy Spirit because I just didn't know who he was or you know, why he was important to my faith. Uh, later in my early 20s, I actually became a bit nervous and hesitant about the things of the Spirit because I had heard and seen some things done in the Spirit's name that just really put me off. But in recent years, uh, I'm in that last category I mentioned. When I think about the Holy Spirit, I feel excited and hopeful uh, because I long for more of the Spirit in my life and for others, and I long for our church uh, to experience this, more of the Spirit's presence and power in our lives. And if I could just say uh, one thing that sticks with you this morning, it's that the Holy Spirit is essential to the Christian life not optional. And I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit is essential to the Christian life, not optional. Let's take a look at what Jesus says about the Spirit in the Gospel of John. So I think we have a slide for this. So it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, 
Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So in this passage, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is living water for our souls. And just as those who are physically thirsty need to drink water, Jesus says that those who are spiritually thirsty, those whose hearts and souls are dry and weary, we can come to Jesus and drink and receive living water. We can receive and be filled with the Spirit. And who among us does not need living water for our souls? There's so much in our world that we can try to satisfy our souls with. Uh, some of us pursue success and money and achievement. Uh, some of us seek to satisfy our souls with relationships, uh, looking for love from a partner or a spouse or children. And then there's all the entertainment in the world that we can try to satisfy our souls with. There's, there's movies and Netflix and YouTube, uh, social media, and our endless news feed that we can just refresh over and over again. But none of these things can truly satisfy what our hearts long for. As St. Augustine famously wrote, he said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The only thing that will truly satisfy the thirst and the restlessness of our hearts is the living water that Jesus promises, which is the spirit of the living God. So I hope that if you're feeling maybe a bit indifferent or if you're even uh, cautious or hesitant about the Holy Spirit, I hope that you'll be open to what the scriptures have to say about him because that's what we're gonna be doing the next few weeks. Uh, we'll go to the Bible and we'll see what it teaches us about the Spirit. And my personal prayer is that uh, by the time Pentecost comes, uh, we'll be ready as a church to remember and celebrate and hunger and thirst for more of the Spirit in our lives. Because again, the Holy Spirit is essential to the Christian life, not optional. And it is so important that we as a church community have hearts that are waiting and seeking and longing for more of the Spirit in our lives. So with that said, uh, let's look at our scripture text for today which is Acts chapter one, verses one to nine. And uh, before we read though, um, let's take a minute and let's pray uh, for the Spirit to, to help us and to be with us. Spirit of the living God, uh, we welcome you in this place. We long for more of you. Jesus, you say that the Spirit is living water for our souls, so I pray, Jesus, would you pour out that living water upon us 
here and now in this place uh, for all those who are watching online with your spirit come upon their living rooms or the bedroom, wherever they are. And would you guide us and would you teach us and would you lead us into uh, greater intimacy and closeness and fellowship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we will read from Acts uh, chapter one. So it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is the word of the Lord. So I wanna begin this morning by looking at what Jesus says to his disciples in verse four. So Jesus tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Now why does Jesus tell his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and to wait? Uh, the reason is because Jesus had given them a mission to accomplish. He told his disciples that they were to go out into all the nations and share the good news about himself. Uh, they were to tell others about how Jesus lived and what he taught, how he died for the forgiveness of sins, how he rose from the dead, and how all people can have new life in him. However, in this verse, Jesus is making it clear that before they can accomplish this mission, they first needed to wait for the gift that was promised by their Father in heaven. And this gift, Jesus explains in verse five, it is the gift and promise of the Holy Spirit. So in our understanding of the Spirit, it's important for us to know that the day of Pentecost and the pouring out of the Spirit is not some new strange thing that Jesus brings up out of nowhere. The Holy Spirit was promised to God's people hundreds of years earlier. And the clearest example of this is found in Joel chapter two, verses 28 to 29. Uh, this is God speaking to his people. So God says, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is, is powerfully poured out and, all, and the crowds and the people are wondering what is going on, the apostle Peter, he stands up and he quotes this prophecy of Joel. So Peter says, hey, remember this prophecy hundreds of years earlier? The, the, the promise that God would pour out his spirit? Well, this is it. It's happening today. Not only is there the prophecy of Joel, but there's also echoes of God's promise to pour out his spirit in the prophetic writings of Ezekiel. So God says in Ezekiel 36, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So these two passages in Joel and Ezekiel show us that the Holy Spirit was promised long ago, and it was always part of God's plan that his people would be filled with his spirit. So we are meant to be spirit-filled people. Now, by the time of Jesus, uh, these prophecies were hundreds of years old. So God's people, they've had to wait a long time for, these, uh, for the fulfillment of these promises. And then in our text today, Jesus again, he tells them to wait. Uh, they must not try to accomplish the mission that Jesus gave them just yet. Uh, they must learn to trust and wait on God's timing for when the Spirit would come. And actually, this is something that all of us need to learn as well. We need to learn to trust and wait on God's timing. Uh, this is all part of spiritual maturity. Those who are growing in spiritual maturity are those who are growing in their ability to trust and wait on God's timing. And this idea is found all throughout the Bible. So for instance, in Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. In Isaiah 40, 31, it, said, it says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. And then in 1 Peter 5, 6, we are told, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on. There's, there's so many Bible passages that talk about the importance of waiting on God. Um, not only are there these Bible verses, but there's just the life examples of God's people in the Bible. So for example, uh, there was Abraham and Sarah uh, who were promised a child, and yet they had to wait and trust in God for decades before the promise of a child was fulfilled. 
And then there's the example of uh, Joseph, who as a young boy, he was given dreams from God that he would be a ruler and a leader. But Joseph then was sold into slavery and thrown into prison, and he had to wait many years for God's promise for him to be fulfilled. And then there's also the example of King David, uh, who as a young boy, before he was king, he was anointed to be king, Uh, by God. Uh, But before that happened, he had to go through uh, many years in the desert. Uh, He was chased around and and, uh, King Saul tried to kill him without reason. And for David as well, he had to wait many years uh, for God's call and promise to him to be fulfilled. Now, as we sit here together today, um, and those who are watching online, I know that there are people who are waiting on God. You're waiting on God for something that he has shown you or or promised to you. And when we are made to wait, uh, it can be easy for us to get discouraged, frustrated. Uh, We can lose hope and we can wonder, well, will, will God ever bring that promise to pass? Will he ever answer those prayers and it comes down to faith and trust will we trust God to fulfill what he promised Uh, will we trust God to do what is good and right will we trust that although his ways may not be our ways nonetheless his timing and his will is good I, uh, most weekends I'll go back um, to my parents' house uh, where my sister lives with her family and uh, I have a niece and a nephew. Uh, they're five and three years old and uh, they are not good at waiting for things. Um, when my sister uh, tells them, wait until later or wait for dinner or wait for tomorrow, uh, you know, they'll get sad or, or disappointed Uh, On a bad day, they might have a meltdown. But their mom, my sister, is not telling them to wait because she wants them to suffer or because she doesn't love them. Uh, She tells them to wait simply because she knows more than them. She sees the bigger picture. Uh, There's a reason that she's telling them to wait. And it's the same thing with us and God. God is our Father in heaven, and we are his children. When God tells us to wait, when he delays things, when things don't happen as quickly as we want them to, it's not because God wants us to suffer or because he doesn't love us. It's because God, in all his infinite wisdom, he simply knows more than us. He sees the bigger picture There's always reasons for why he makes us wait. Even the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, it took a long time to be fulfilled. Israel, again, was waiting hundreds of years for their promised Messiah. But listen to what it says in Galatians. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of woman, 
born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. When the fullness of time had come, at the right time, God sent his son, Jesus, to rescue and to redeem us. And so the God of the universe, the one who created us and the one who loves us and the one who cares for us, we can trust in him and his timing for everything in our lives. And may God help us when we doubt this. And may he help us to trust in him. So let's go back to our passage uh, in Acts 1. And uh, we'll look at verses 6 to 8. So then they, that's Jesus' disciples, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples here, again, they bring up the question of timing. They have been waiting and longing for Israel to be set free from Roman rule and occupation, and they want to see the nation and kingdom of Israel being restored. But notice how Jesus doesn't exactly give them the answer that they want. Uh, he simply says, it's not their place to know the times and dates that the Father has set. Again, they need to learn to wait and trust in God's timing. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What Jesus is doing is that he is redirecting and reorienting and changing the focus and the priority of the disciples. And it's the same with us. Most of us have our own concerns and, uh, and, and priorities that we are focused on. Uh, for the disciples, it was, Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? For us, it may be, Jesus, when are you going to get me a job? Or when are you going to provide me a better job? Or, or when am I going to get that promotion or that career that I've always wanted? Or Jesus, when am I going to find my spouse? Or Jesus, when are you going to bring healing to my marriage? Or Jesus, when are you going to bring my son or daughter back to me or back to you? Or Jesus, when are you going to heal me or heal this person that I love? We all have our own priorities that we bring to Jesus. And please hear me, I'm not saying it's wrong to ask Jesus about these things. 
we can and we should ask Jesus about all these things because he cares about every aspect of our lives. But just as the disciples were redirected from their own priorities, so we too need to be redirected to Jesus' priorities. His priorities need to become our priorities. And in this passage, Jesus reveals uh, two of his priorities for our lives. The first one is that Jesus cares that we receive the Spirit and we receive power by the Holy Spirit. And this is why during the Last Supper, Jesus talks so much about the Spirit to his disciples. Uh, You can read in John chapters 14 to 16, Jesus tells them again and again that he would send them the Holy Spirit who would help them and guide them and teach them and give them peace. And we can see just how important the Spirit is by looking at what happens to the disciples before and then after Pentecost. So before Pentecost, before the disciples received the Spirit, the disciples, all they had was you know, physical, human Jesus with them. But then when Jesus was arrested and taken away from them, they lost all their courage and strength. Uh, they fled and, and they ran away from the scene. And Peter, the one who boldly declared that he would die for Jesus and never deny him, he ends up denying Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And he even swears an oath that he had nothing to do with Jesus. So before Pentecost and before the Spirit, we see that the disciples are weak and they are cowards and they are afraid. But after Pentecost and after they receive the Spirit, all of a sudden, they are filled with boldness and courage. Peter and the other disciples would never end up denying Jesus again. And they would go on to boldly proclaim Jesus to whoever it was, whether it be the religious leaders or angry mobs or magistrates and kings, and many of them did end up dying for their faith in Jesus. And this courage and strength, it came from the power that they received when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so this is the first priority for Jesus, is that we be filled with power as we receive the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus' second priority for us is that we live our lives bearing witness to him. Now, bearing witness to Jesus, it's not just about evangelism or just telling people about Jesus, although certainly that's a big part of it. But bearing witness is so much more than that. It's an all-of-life kind of thing. So when we forgive those who hurt us, we are bearing witness to Jesus. When we care for the poor, the hurting, and the broken, we bear witness to Jesus. When we go to our jobs 
and do our work with excellence and with the heart of service and love for others, we bear witness to Jesus. When we seek to be peacemakers in our relationships, whether it be with coworkers or, or friends or with our family, we bear witness to Jesus. And when we bless those who curse us and when we pray for those who mistreat us, we bear witness to Jesus. But the only way that we can live our lives bearing witness to him is if we are empowered by the Spirit. Because quite frankly, the life that Jesus calls us to is impossible for us to live out on our own. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be empowered and changed and receive daily strength from Him. Now, a key difference between uh, the passage we read today in Acts 1 and for us today is that the day of Pentecost, it's already happened. It occurred 2,000 years ago and the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. But it's not just a binary issue of whether we have the Spirit or not. The Bible says that we can grieve or or quench the Spirit. And then there are others who are described as being full of the Spirit. So even though we may have the Holy Spirit, there are degrees of fullness and empowerment. The Bible also tells us that being filled with the Spirit is not just a one-time event. The same disciples who were powerfully filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 on Pentecost, they are powerfully filled again by the Spirit in Acts chapter 4. And also in Ephesians 5.18, we are commanded to be continually filled with the Spirit every day of our lives. So as we close our time this morning, I want to ask, what have you been waiting for in your life? What are you waiting and seeking God for? And again, whatever you are waiting for, whatever you are praying to God about, it's good to do that. We, we can and we should bring our honest prayers and requests to God. But what about Jesus' focus and his priorities for our lives? Are his priorities our priorities? Because in this passage, what we see is that Jesus' priority for us is that we receive power through the Spirit and that by this power, we bear witness to him to the world, the world that he created and loves. And this week, um, as I thought about this series on the Holy Spirit, I was asking God, um, Lord, what do you want to accomplish? What is your will and desire for us as a church? And in my prayer time, I just felt like God was extending an invitation to us. 
I believe God is inviting us as a church community to take on a posture of waiting for the Spirit. I believe God is inviting us to long for, to hunger, to thirst, and to seek more of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is essential to the Christian life, not optional. And if we truly want to live for Jesus and make his priorities our priorities, then we must be filled and empowered by the Spirit. You know, it, it meant a lot to me to be um, asked by Pastor Paul to, to teach this message about waiting for the Spirit because eight years ago, um, I was in one of the darkest and lowest points of my life, and um, I was doubting my faith in God and, and not knowing uh, what the future held. And for some reason, the question that kept coming to my mind over and over again was, what difference does the Spirit make in our lives? Because in my desperation, I was reading the Bible, trying to look for answers, and I could see that the Holy Spirit was really important, but I just wasn't aware of how he was at work. And since that journey eight years ago where God was just putting it on my heart to seek more of his spirit, I can say with confidence that the Holy Spirit makes all the difference in the world in our lives. And I can say that my life and and my faith in God has been transformed as I've seen and experienced the Spirit's presence and his power at work in me and through me and the lives of others. And, And that's what I pray for, for us as a church.